Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and the goal here in this time together today is to help you lead like never before. My guess is one of your goals, probably this year, if you're listening early into 2015 when this is released or whenever you happen to be listening, is that you want to get more traction online for your content. I don't know anybody who is online who doesn't want more clicks, more views, more engagement, more shares. And I mean, that's just kind of the world that we live in. But the question, the million dollar question is like, how do you get that? How do you get more people to engage with your content, with your product, or even with your personal profile online? I mean, if you're online, basically most of us want people to share what we have online. So how do you do that? And that's why I'm super excited about today's guest, Brian Orm. Brian is the founding editor at Faith It and at Church Leaders, both sites, and also is involved at Outreach Magazine and at Sermon Central. So he's got a lot of experience online. In fact, how many people do you know I think Brian's the only guy I know who has managed to get a hundred million people to visit his site in its first year. Yeah, and that isn't a misprint. A hundred million people were on Faith It in its first year of operation. I mean, those are crazy numbers. That's like a big country kind of numbers. And Brian started Faith It back in August of 2013. I recorded this interview, by the way, in 2014. So when you're listening, trying to put the timeline together. It was 2013 to 2014. Faith It in its first year got 100 million people to engage with it online. So I think Brian kind of knows what he's talking about. And I mean, whether you're trying to get 1,000 people to engage or 100 people or 10,000, this is a really interesting problem to try to tackle. I mean, if you're a church leader, if you're a leader of an organization, you probably got a social media presence. Certainly for those of us who are preachers, you know, we produce content every single week, 52 Sundays a year. Wouldn't it be great if more people were able to engage that content, not just for the sake of, you know, watching your stats go up, but if you actually have a message you believe in, don't you want more people to hear it? And well, how does that happen? Like, can you make a product go viral? How do you get people to click on your content or to share it? It's just, it's a fascinating question to ask. And so I'm super excited that Brian is part of the podcast today. Actually, he is the podcast today. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, you're probably going to want to have your pencils ready because there is a lot of content here. So what you can do, I'm just saying, this is a super easy way to handle it, is just head on over to the show notes. You can even do that right now. Open a tab on your phone, on your browser, and simply go to kerrynewhoff.com slash episode 18. That's kerrynewhoff.com slash episode 18. In fact, Brian was kind enough to put together a resource sheet with some tips on how to get more people to click on your content online. You will find the link to that in the show notes. Again, that's Carrie Newhoff, C-A-R-E-Y-N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F dot com slash episode 18. So without uh, much further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Brian Orm. Hey, I'm just super excited to have Brian Orm on the podcast today. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Terry, it's great to be here and great to reconnect with you. And I really look forward to it. Yeah, we got to hang out. We went on a mission trip together with Compassion to Guatemala last year and it was a lot of fun. 
totally will never forget getting lost in the streets of Guatemala thinking, will we find our way back and or not? So it was a great, great experience for sure. Well, you're in your house and I'm in my house. So obviously it worked out okay. And exactly. before that we had met because, I mean, you work at uh, Outreach Magazine. It's sort of a whole conglomeration of um, publishing houses with churchleaders.com, sermoncentral.com and faithit. Um, tell us a little bit about your role there, what you do and, and, and how all those things are connected. Yeah, sure. I started with Outreach Inc. about four, a little over four and a half years ago. And I came on as the kind of founding editor of Church Leaders. So my job was to put that site together, get the strategy going and launch that site. Um, and so I, I started out with Church Leaders, did that, and then kind of have moved around to different um, parts in the company, worked with the, the magazine, worked with uh, Sermon Central. And now my role has kind of shifted to more of a um, kind of an entrepreneurial role where I'm helping us launch new sites and get this, the right strategy for running those, getting the right people in the right seats to keep them going, and then um, vision casting for growth and things like that, too. Yeah, which is really timely, because I think one of the things we're all trying to get our heads around as church leaders or just leaders, whether you're in a business and organization, is this whole business of reaching out online. I mean, whether you're trying to do what I'm doing in a local church, which is um, to impact people in your community, or if you run an organization or business and you're, you know, you're trying to sell things or contact new customers, I mean online's where it's at. And I think those brands that we've mentioned, I mean, Church Leaders, Outreach Magazine, SermonCentral.com, Faith It, have had some tremendous, tremendous success online. So tell us a little bit about that, the growth in the online ministry, um, in the outreach family of, or portfolio, I guess you could say, of uh, websites. And what have been some of the, the key ingredients that have helped them grow? Yeah, it's it's really unique. I think each site is a little bit unique because um, the audience is different and the, way, the kind of our publishing goals have been, been different too. And church leaders, yeah. I would kind of compare that to say that was like a steady, slow growth where we spent years kind of building the brand, getting the right kind of content, the right kind of network and authors to really, you know, just uh, to minister to leaders. And obviously our, our, our goal at the very beginning was of that was to have kind of a central hub where all the best content um, written by and for church leaders was in one spot so that people could kind of come there and uh, really trust the resource, but also have a kind of a bigger view of what's going on in the church and have a pulse of what's happening um, on a daily basis with some of the best content. And so that was really kind of a slow build where we had to kind of build that brand up and, uh, and we're still building it. It's still growing, which is great. It's heading in the right direction, but it wasn't um, kind of a, a real quick. It was really steady, hard grassroots growth in that one. Right. So that's like a content aggregator. If you've never been to churchleaders.com, I mean, I think that's how we first connected. You asked if you could use some of my blog content a year or two ago. And uh, I'd seen churchleaders.com before that. But basically, you go to trusted authors and you want to be a trusted voice that says, hey, here's some of the best writing out there for surprise, surprise, church leaders, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, we came on the scene really right when the curation model was there. Mm -hmm. So obviously the web has just exploded with so much information, so much content, and all of us are kind of media um, producers at this point. I mean, anybody can step into and create uh, media on their own. And so there's a real big need for trusted uh, providers that give the right um, the right content, feature the right stuff. And also we do a lot with content packaging, which I'll talk a lot more about later probably too, okay. that just deals with how do we get that content to have the best foot forward to really take off on social media and on web platforms. 
Right. And then ServantCentral.com, that's been around a lot longer, and so is Outreach Magazine, right? Uh, so let's sure. talk about those two. I mean, obviously, very different constituencies. Sermons, really, for people who preach, and Outreach Magazine for people who, like me, are interested in evangelism. And I even got that when it was a magazine magazine, which it still is, right? Yeah, exactly. We are still in print and going strong, and it's um, man, we're fortunate to be there in that space and still growing and ministering and serving leaders. And I think it's, it's, uh, I mean, a great, it speaks greatly of the people who came before us, you mm-hmm. mean, to really build a strong brand and have a really com- big commitment to, uh, telling the right stories at the right time and moving forward with the church. But the, the magazine actually started as a catalog because uh, outreach is a, a marketing company. It started out that way. And it's one of those mm-hmm. things where the, uh, um, the, the catalog was meant to share those, resources with church leaders and pastors. And quickly it turned into like more people were telling the stories of how they were using these resources and these products to reach people for Christ, what they were seeing in their church. And there's these great inspirational stories that we moved to, like, instead of just covering the products, let's move to our editorial magazine actually covers the stories and, uh, and talks through what's coming up and, and helps leaders position their churches and their, you know, their, themselves as leaders as well to reach their audience, reach their community, reach their neighborhood. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's really an interesting dynamic because a lot of magazines don't start like that. No, and they so, don't. Uh, but, but at the same time, I give great um, props to like our president, Scott Evans and others who had the vision for it to switch from a product-based catalog to an editorially driven magazine to really resource pastors. And I think that was a key thing because there's a huge difference. Obviously, we all know between ads and between editorial. Oh, and yeah. I think making that move there and being really uh, having that integrity and authenticity to do that, they've done it so well. That's why it's, it's stuck around for so long. Yeah. So you may or may not have these stats off the top of your head, but do you have any idea how much, how many people still use the print version? Because I mean, this is such a big issue for a lot of companies that started one way or are moving another way. But print versus digital. Do you, do you know what that breakdown is offhand or? Yeah. You know what? I mean, just offhand, we print the run right around 30,000 issues uh, every, every issue, which is a bi, uh, bi-monthly. And then we have about, I think about uh, 70,000 page views a month on that. I don't have to look at the unique users. Yeah. I'm not as connected uh, to know that right at this moment, right. but yeah, right around in there. So and it's one of the things for us too, is that we it's really interesting because I think the print readers, our readership and our online readership, there's a lot of um, differences and diversity within those two sure. and how they want to read. And so there's lots of things we talked about. We have also an iPad version we launched last year that's been really successful and a lot of fun to work with too. So it's you know roughly 50-50 then digital versus print. And certainly there's probably a shift moving toward the digital version over the print version, but yeah. interesting. And, and it'll, we'll see how that shift goes. And we also have a newsletter list that goes out to well over a hundred thousand readers every day. And I think that's a great, that's our kind of daily touch to connect right. them with outreach in, as well. All right. And then there's sermoncentral.com. Just say a few things about that. And then we'll jump to faith it, which is probably one of the more interesting stories and you're developing new platforms, which is yes. fascinating. Yeah, no, I'd love to share those. And yeah, Sermon Central is one, it's a site that's built on um, sharpening pastors, preparing them to preach. And so there's lots of resources and it's, it's one of those things where it's a user-based platform as well, where you can upload your sermons mm-hmm. and it's categorized by books of the Bible, topics, authors. And so we have like even on the front page right now, like sermons from Francis Chan and other pastors as well that you can read and check into. And so it's really about resourcing the pastor and his efforts of preaching. Yeah. And we have a daily newsletter that goes out as well. That's kind of like trying to build that tribe of, right. of preachers to kind of come around that art of preaching, what it looks like so they continue to learn and, and preach better every week. 
Okay, cool. And then Faith It. I mean, um, that has just exploded over the last few months. Yeah, it's we launched that site last August. And the goal behind that was to, we, we do obviously a lot with leaders, but it was to move into that space of you know, the kind of the Christian consumer. How do we encourage them to share great content that would push forward great causes and really kind of put the stamp of the kingdom online? And so our goal was just to think through how can we you know, we really kind of position and package shareable content so that we infuse the internet with great kingdom driven stories. And, uh, and so it was, it was one of those things where as opposed to church leaders, which was kind of a slow build, this, we kind of came on the, the scene at the right time and it exploded in the first couple of months. Um, in the first three months, I mean, we had, uh, just an unbelievable, like 9 million unique users in the first couple of months. That's crazy, and, uh, man. 9 and million first, unique users. Yeah. And in the first year, we've reached over 103 million unique visitors. And so it's one of those things, like just looking back, obviously we believe God's hand was in it. And we've seen lots of great causes driven through. We've started a lot of strong viral campaigns, helped raise money for really important kingdom causes. And, uh, and we're still, I mean, moving forward, growing with that, but it's one of those things where we just um, see that as our great opportunity to really influence I mean, the, the online atmosphere with really solid kingdom driven stories. So our whole goal is to produce, to kind of grab stories that are super shareable and, uh, and, and help kind of mobilize a movement behind those to, to get those to take off on the web. Yeah, which is really, I think that drives us to the transferable principle. I mean, in terms of getting a message out there, I mean this has been an incredible track record, like just, just unbelievable. I mean, to reach literally over a hundred million unique visitors. And if you know anything about online, I mean, that's, that's a crazy amount of people. That really is. It's a super high traffic site. Yeah. And we've learned a lot and we're still learning. I mean, we're not you know, there. It's like funny because we talk about viral content and writing and positioning and we're learning every day, but it's still like nobody, there's not one brain who can just pick out stories and make them go viral. And uh, I spoke at a conference a little while back with social media directors. It was so interesting to, to kind of hear that direction. And it's different for us because we're actually trying to create viral content, right. but a lot of organizations are just trying to do really, you know, produce really great content and viral. You know, I mean, isn't so always healthy to chase after. Can, but yeah. can you do that? I mean, everyone says, Oh, you know, I want something to go viral. I mean, can, how, how does that happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think, you know, there's so many elements that go into it, um, but but I'm more convinced than ever just because we've seen it happen multiple, multiple times. In fact, I mean, if I get specific down to the numbers, we've uh, even percentages. Here's kind of all honesty. Um, we've yeah, launched sure. probably posted 700 um, stories in our first year. Right. Um, maybe a little bit more. And this is uh, on Faith It? This is on Faith It. Okay. Yeah. And we've seen about close to 50 of those with more than a million views. Okay. And so, so a lot more. So two a day and less than 10% are the ones that really took off. Exactly. So, um, and actually it might even be more than that. It might be closer to a thousand stories. I need to look at the stats and get it right. Sure. But I think it's a thousand versus 50. And, and just obviously thinking through that, even us as editors working through to curate this content, I mean, the percentages are pretty small, but we can get there. And there's a right. lot of factors that we use as a filter as to what gives these stories the best chance to actually get there. So a couple of things. Number one, what are those filters? And secondly, like, was there ever a time, because I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I publish content too. And sometimes I think, oh, this is going to be like, I'm so proud of this article. And it goes nowhere. It just flops. I did one of those today. 
Just like, you know, my mom didn't even like it, that kind of thing. And, and then there are others where you're like, I'm just getting content out there. And the next thing you know, it's blown up. Like, yeah. do you have the same experience or, or like, are you a good predictor of those things or can they be predicted or what are the filters? Cause I think yeah. that's, and, and, and again, the transferable principle here is for all of us who want to get a message out, we would love more people to hear the message than otherwise. So is it predictable? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think, first of all, you wouldn't want to take me to the racetrack. My percentages, <laughs> my percentages aren't that great, but it is true that there's, I mean, it's, it's possible. And I think sure. the, the key thing that I talk about with other content creators and writers and authors um, and organizations is the fact that viral might not always be the thing that you go for, but great content. These principles that we're talking about, about shareable, high quality content are transferable for anything. And hopefully yeah. we'll make anyone's writing and efforts in ministry stronger and better because of these as well. So is that one of those filters, shareable, high quality content? What does that mean? Like break it down. What are the ingredients you actually look for when you think, okay, this is a solid piece. We're going to post it. Yeah. And I will say like, I'll, I'll give you just a couple of the filters to clear it up too, is that we're looking for great storytelling, first of all. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, um, yeah, we can innately look at something and know, you know, like when you read something online or you, you know, view something that there's something special about it, you feel it. there's an emotional drive to it. There's a, a storytelling that's kind of just is engaging yeah. and there's so much content online that has really weak storytelling. It might have a really good story concept. And we talk about this all the time. I talked about this with our curators that um, they'll oftentimes find a really good story concept. You know, I mean, it's just a, when you explain it, it's a really touching story, but the way that it's told through text or through video is really weak. Mm-hmm. And, and those just aren't shareable. Somebody might click on it, but it's not a shareable story. And so the shareable stories have great storytelling, but they also have that human connection to it as well. Cause we, you know, as well as I do too, we talk through headlines and that yeah. high arousal emotion um, through content is what people want to be engaged by. And it's one of those things where we have to be careful that we're authentic when we use it, but we know that positive emotional content is some of the best content on the web. So, so give us an example. What does that look like? Cause I know when you and I've had this conversation in the past, I'm like, like I'm the list guy, five things that will give you a better day. And you're like, yeah, but emotional headlines, the stuff that drives your emotion that really seems to catch. So ex- help me understand. Yeah. Um, and I would say it's, it's dealing with uh, like, and let me give this break it down a little bit too. Like it's not always in the headline, but it's always, you know, it's definitely in the content. So sure. that human connection, that emotional high, I mean, it's, it's in the this content that you see, like we ran a story just the other day on faith that, that kind of was one of those wedding flash mob videos. Okay. Um, and it's, and you see those all the time mm-hmm. and we go through and we have so many people submit those to us and there's, they're, they're out there a lot. However, this one was different because the way that it captured the emotion and the joy was just really special. And so you can watch it and know that there's a special moment in that, that that you're kind of invited into that as well. And so that it's easy to share because you want to pass that on. The same concept would be why we pass things that are funny because they're high arousal emotions. We experience something and automatically there's a built-in shareability to that. We want to tell somebody, we want somebody else to experience it with us. We don't want to just consume it alone. And so we're looking for those stories that don't, that shouldn't be consumed alone, that are meant to be passed on and shared. Uh, one of the stories we launched early on that they got featured on a couple of the morning shows at today's show is, is a video that was created by Elevation Church. And it was um, just a mom confession video. And, oh, and you've yeah. probably seen it. I have. And it was one of those where, you know, the moms or the kids are asked, actually the moms are asked first, I think, you know, what kind of a mom they feel like to their kids and mm-hmm. things like that. And they're super hard on themselves. And then they ask the kids and the kids are just saying these 
incredibly special, beautiful things. And then as the moms watch it, I mean, each one of them are just like, I mean, moved to tears. And as you see that movement and you see that kind of turn of emotion and that connection, um, especially, you know, I mean, us as parents, we can kind of recognize that. And it's like, okay, this is short. This is great. This is meaningful. And I want to pass it on. And so it just, it takes off. And so I think obviously that's more on the video side of the storytelling, but I think if we can get to those points where we're involved emotionally and it makes some kind of human connection with us, um, whether it's text or whether it's video or whether it's even an image. Um, those are the kind of things that we can hold on to and pass. And I think for me, it's one of those things where I see across the internet is that there's so much content out there that's just making a statement and almost telling us what we already know, or it's really boring. And it's just so, even though the person behind it might be incredibly interesting, or even some of the concepts that are described are really interesting. I feel like those are like, they're, they're great story concepts, but horrible storytelling. And we just don't get into that to, to share it. What we'll do, Brian, is we'll link to that video in the show notes. In fact, everything you reference, we're going to link to in, in the show notes. And um, it's funny because when you were telling me that video and I remembered it, I started to get goosebumps. Like it was such a great way of telling a story. And we try to remember this on our team. It's not what you do. It's sometimes how you do it, right? Like it's not in the steak. It's in the sizzle at the end of the day. Totally. And I think that's why it's one of those things where obviously you have to have great content, but, uh, but you have to think about the, the engagement. So when we're thinking about content, we're specifically thinking what's, what's the shareable takeaway for this? Sure. Um, Cause there's a much different side of just saying, I'm writing something for people to consume versus I'm writing something for people or I'm doing and producing content for people to share. They're very two distinct things. So walk us through that. What is shareable content? If you're a church leader, if you're, you're a leader sort of on the ground, you're trying to produce something that, and I think we all are, that people would be like, oh, I want to share that. Um, great storytelling, human emotion. What else, what else drives shareability? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it speaks to an underlying issue that we all kind of are, are aware of hmm. from a really fresh and unique angle. Uh, because there's so much content out there that's just boring. Again, like I kind of mentioned, telling us what we already know. I mean, the headline's probably just a statement. It's not anything that kind of drives a reaction or an interest. Um, and so for us, shareable stories, they, they tell something from a very unique and fresh angle. Okay. Uh, for instance, like on Church Leaders, one of our strongest stories of all time was a very simple story uh, or article. It was called uh, Three Common Traits of Youth Who Don't Leave the Church. And, and it was one of those things where the, it's very simple, but everybody else is talking about why youth leave. And this article just talked about the simple, you know, I mean, things that, that help them stay grounded in the church. And because it was kind of that surprising angle with strong enough content behind it and on an issue that people deeply cared about and are still trying to solve. And uh, obviously as parents, as we see youth in our church walk away from God and, and turn away from the church, I mean, those things have become very real and very heavy that this article was just passed around and passed around and, and went viral for us actually a couple different times hmm. and still pops up on the radar just because it's, it speaks to such a strong issue. And it's so shareable because it's kind of like, it's it's uh, for us and our social networks to share something that with that great of value that could actually do something really important is is an easy easy share. Well, and what we're reminded of all the time, I mean, at the local church level, is we sit on the best story ever told. Number one, number two, there's stories yeah. happening every week in our congregation. And I remember sitting in a meeting about five years ago, shortly after we had launched the church where I serve at now. And uh, one of the guys just looked at me and he was a veteran church leader. He'd been around for a while and helped at the national level with some denominations, was helping us plant. And he just said, Carrie, just tell more stories, tell more stories, tell more stories. And I've never forgotten that. And I, I think the church 
has some amazing stories to tell. And, and often, you know, I'm the last guy to tell them. Yeah. And, and we see that. I think like the more and more technology becomes usable, cheaper, more prevalent. We have younger generations who are coming up to be able to use this technology and tell greater stories. And so we have lots of, you see, you're seeing more and more, but I think it's one of those things that's still a little bit untapped is churches telling stories online. And, And it's one of those things where I think we go through, you know, you go through the age of reasoning and you speak a lot of things of intellect and you share all the, the background of like why we should believe this and this and this. And then you have something different. Like you said, you share a story. And I think it's something that, you know, church leaders as bloggers or even as pastors and church leaders, it's one of those things that I still think that's like one of the biggest untapped resources is just grabbing on to the stories that are happening within our con- congregation or our communities or our tribes and just sharing those in a very well thought out form. So it's not just letting it happen, but very carefully told for the right ending. And I think those kind of things are incredibly powerful. And, and the outreach that those stories do, um, I think will go beyond what we can even imagine most of the time. Yeah. And I mean, what is the Bible but a collection of true stories? And Jesus was a masterful storyteller. And the uh, list guy in me always tries to reduce it to the principles. But I hear what you're saying. In terms of in terms yes. of what you see church leaders doing well and leaders doing well on, on online, uh, what are some of the best practices you see out there outside of your little, you know, what you do, but when you're watching other people online, what do, what do you see that you really like? Yeah, I mean, I see, I mean, there's a lot of things. I think there's a lot of great voices out there, but I really love the aspect of watching leaders who use social media well. Mm. I think that we've all gone through, not all, but I mean, there's definitely a phase of church leaders where we saw social media as just another realm to either evangelize or pitch content or pitch information about our church instead of really understanding for what it is. It's this unique community of, you know, it's a conversation. It's, it's, you know, where you're developing relationships. And I think we're seeing that more and more. And I still am like a very, like, I feel like relationships are the best in, you know, I mean, in human contact, but I feel like the, the social media aspect of that, that you can develop incredible relationships and you can really work that angle of saying, okay, we're not just going to be a platform where, where people just come to find out what our what the time of our services yeah. are, but they're going to come and they're going to find, again, stories, real people that care about them, that are sharing mm-hmm. things and engaging them in a way that social media was meant to. I, I love what one of the Twitter co-founders said. I think he said, um, you know, the canvas is the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it just stuck with me like, okay, that's, that's exactly right. We've got to use this canvas I mean, to build that conversation. And in a way, it is like this is this incredible community hub that we've got to learn how to use in the right way instead of just kind of using it to transform, using it something for something very selfish. Or and I think as churches, we can easily do that and just forget. Oh, yeah. Well, so what does that look like? Like practically, what I mean, does that mean that, you know, you certainly your church is on or your organization is online and probably has a corporate account? Um, but does that mean leaders need to get online and actually start interacting with people? Like what, what, what do you, what specifically does that look like? Yeah. And I think, I think the way that it works, um, the way that I look at it is I don't think every single leader obviously needs to be on every platform. Yeah. Every church doesn't need to be on every platform. I think that they need to, to have a well thought out strategy. And we're seeing lots of churches that are kind of revamping and, and doing things a little bit different because they're thinking more strategy and more um, authentically than they are just kind of moving forward and kind of shotgun approach. But I think it's it's leaders deciding what their audience, where their audience is, and then, you know, how do they get there and how do they 
how do they to create a conversation that's real? How do they engage them in a personal way? And I, I think it's it's more because you look at these different platforms in like social media, like uh, Facebook, for instance, is really like a big party. I mean, people want to, I mean, share fun stuff. They want to, I mean, talk. It's like it's not the media news outlet of the 20 years ago, which the the, the strong bold headlines. It's the fun content that gets the engagement and, and the shareability, and the fun and personal content at that. So I think it's one of those things where having a leader decide where their audience is or even who they want to reach and speaking very personally and authentically with that. So it's not just sharing content, but it's engaging their audience. It's, it's sharing things of value from other places. It's um, asking the right questions. It's taking the time to, to engage users. And even like uh, as a simple thing as this, like when somebody comments on your Facebook thing and you like it, like it, you know what I mean? Click like on Twitter, favorite reply, retweet. It's all these little things that are the social norms of this is how we do a low level of ministry. It's a start. I'm not saying that it, it does everything, but to be known as a leader like that, that cares about your your community and cares about the people that are involved in your space. I think that says volumes for what you're going to, what you're going to do in your ministry. That's right. So it's, it's replying, it's engaging in the conversation. It's liking back. It's sharing other people's stuff. Um, one of the filters I've seen often is even being helpful. Like if you can just help people, if you're sort of that person that, People look at and go, you know what? I'm better off because I spent some time with Brian, or I'm better off because I read that, or, or hey, that was fun. That really brightened my day. I think it can, and or it was meaningful or poignant. Uh, that's good. Anything you yeah. see that makes you wince or scratch your head, where you're kind of going, ah, oh, what's that leader thinking? Or yeah, you know, I think, I mean, for me, looking at it from an editorial perspective, like sure. on the sites, I would say it's it's when people have really good content but poor packaging. Okay. And and it's one of those things where I think it's just a little bit of an oversight where somebody spends all this time on their content and forgets the aspect that the headline is really what's going to draw the readers in and allow you know, I mean, the people to come in and enter that content. Mm-hmm. And so, again, like if it's just a, I, I, we see this tons of time. This is one of, the, one of our jobs. We find great content and try to repackage it for the best foot forward and to, to launch it in the community and engagement and increase engagement. But a lot of times if it's just a statement or it's just something offhanded, and it just it does not get engagement unless you know, I mean enough people really dig into it and it goes viral. But I just think a simple thing is just creating great content packaging and working harder on the messaging and the, the position of the content so that people can read it and are invited into that content. So, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. How do you even start in that? Like if you're like, I don't even know how to package content. Where, is there a good place to start? Are there resources out there? Yeah, there's a lot of great ones. And I would say... I mean, I could even share, I mean, kind of uh, some resources that we use within our internal networks, but great. there's lots, but if you just search, I mean, better headline writing, that's yeah. a start. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think studying, I mean, where the trends are going and even in just uh, the last couple of years, headline writing has really changed as we've seen social media grow and some other platforms and shareability grow. But I just think it's, it's probably spending 20 extra minutes to think through your audience when you're writing your headline. And okay. I think it's never going to be. Um, to me, a waste of time after you're done writing your, your, your blog or done creating your media to sit down and go, how are we going to position this for our audience? What's the best way? How do they want to consume this? What is really the deeper idea that we want them just to wrestle or struggle with that will really be insightful to bring them into this content? And I think, again, if you're looking, if you're building that platform, if you're looking to get your, your, um, um, your, your, your name out there, or you're looking to, to write more content and minister to more people than spending that extra time on packaging. Again, starting with the headline first, and then we could talk about image 
and positioning statements and shareability as well too, along yeah. with that. But I think that's, that's the biggest start for sure. Okay. Well, what we'll do is, cause I've got a couple of resources I can link to Brian, maybe you and I can um, connect after uh, this and before it airs and we'll, we'll embed some things in the show notes that'll help people sure. figure out how to think through what you just talked about and write better headlines. Images, they're important as well. Yeah. It's one of those things where, uh, we have a manual that we share with our curators and we share some of the the images we used when we first launched Faith that, that were really pretty bad. And then we <laughs> kind of learned as we went along, like, okay, wait, these images are a good portion. Sometimes it's just the image that draws somebody in because it's the it's the emotion within the image. It's the uniqueness of the image. It's the human connection that we get so strongly within the image. And uh, I think it's trying to find that right um you know, visual that will draw people directly into that, that speaks of the deeper meaning. And I think there's, there's also the authenticity. We're not trying to just get bait clicks with a crazy image. We're trying to actually do something unique that's real within that, that kind of represents it. Or if it's a video is actually a, I mean, something actually happened in there and it was maybe the turning point that made you or made me really connect with it too. But it's for us, we've launched stories um, I, just giving you an example, like our one of our early viral stories was on a Korean pastor who was taking in disabled children in Korea, mm-hmm. and it was the baby drop box and focus on the families now kind of behind that, kind of promoting it. I think it launches this fall, but uh, we launched the viral video for that. And uh, what was funny is we had launched it one time previous and nobody read it. It had kind of a weak headline mm-hmm. and the image was, was just kind of bland of a building. It wasn't anything really strong. And so we uh, changed the packaging. We, we made the, the headline a lot more attention grabbing. And we made this, um, this image of him placing this baby in the box connected to the, to the headline of like, see this box, this is where they put the babies. And it's the most incredible thing you'll see all week. And it's just saying like, what is that about? And it drew. And, uh, and I think it's up to 12 million views at this point from last wow. year, but just, it took off. It's one of those you know, stories that just took off and then it just steadily continued to rise because people resonated with the story. They resonated with the image and wanted to find out what was going on. And when they did find out, they were moved and wanted to get behind the campaign. And I think that's it's just for us a great example to go back to about how important the connection of the image and the headline are together. That is something you do on a regular basis. Like if, if you think you have a good story, but the content doesn't resonate, you'll switch up the image or you'll even change the headline and try it again, won't you? Yeah, you know what? We, we are probably, um, yeah, we, we rerun stuff a lot just because especially I talk to my curators and we look at stories, I mean, so many stories each week and, and we're kind of trying to boil it down to the few stories we really think are important. Yeah. And, and so we'll say, let's put the extra effort behind those. And sometimes we will relaunch them three or four times over a week to see if we can really nail down that, um, you know, that engagement aspect or, or what are readers really looking for to, to connect with this story and what's that really deep element. And uh, we do that also on church leaders where we'll repackage mm-hmm. something that we think, okay, we ran this, really believed in it, um, but wasn't, weren't sure. And, uh, and actually, obviously, a number of your articles, I think one of your articles we've talked about before, the yeah. you know, how churches can break the 200 barrier um, feature that a couple different ways. And I think it's just so strong because it resonates and it's so practical and helpful, but it's a great example of kind of meeting that need of, of where our readers are and that interest level as well. Yeah. And on viral, that is absolutely hands down the top post I ever wrote on my own blog. It was one of those that literally, I didn't know what to write about that day. I had an hour, I had to run to a meeting, I threw it together, I put it up, and the next thing I knew, it blew up. And so don't don't take me to the racetrack either, because I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. We'll both go there and lose our money, but exactly, we'll have fun. Exactly, exactly. Not that we do that kind of thing. Hey, I know we're coming close to the, <laughs> the end of our time today, but I think w- one of the lessons for me, Brian, in this is, you know, a lot of us are content creators in ministry. 
And we produce content every seven days, often more frequently than that. But kind of, and good content is good content. But if we stopped and we thought about, okay, how are we titling this? What, what emotion does this trigger? What, um, what can we do to make sure this actually gets out there? Do you think it's kind of like, I, I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk and other people talk about that, or Derek Halpern actually is who I'm thinking of, okay. where it's like, you should spend 80% of your time marketing and 20% of your time producing content. I'm not sure whether <laughs> it's that extreme, but it really does make a difference to package it well today, doesn't it? It totally does. And I think the same thing you should mention with sermon series. And we see a lot of people who really resonate with that, churches who are building those sermon series that become these huge outreach events because people are just really curious about it or they really resonate and want to find those answers. Um, I wouldn't say like, obviously as far as sermon prep, but I'm not, yeah, I know you prepare every week that it needs to be the 80, 20, but I would wrestle with, you know, most pastors, if they would just spend 20% of the time on the headline, you know what I mean? That would be 20% of the time on the packaging and, and thinking through their people and how they're going to engage this and what are the, the high points and what are the, the really important aspects that will you know, even psychologically allow them to kind of hang their hat on it and say, this is where I need to be um, rather than just kind of taking for granted and, and running through and, and telling their story without actually thinking. And it's the same thing with authors. I mean, thinking about your audience and where they're at and what their needs are, what their concerns are. Um, and then using that kind of that time to package this stuff in the right way. Uh, I think goes such a such a long way. And, and one of the things we try to do at Church Leaders is we're trying to build a stronger internet of Church Leader content. And mm. so we love to work with bloggers and writers and, and go through like, what does it look like for you to really build that platform to, to do that? And obviously we share content and try to build up um, uh, audiences for new writers and for old writers as well. But I just think it's one of those things where our goal is not just that Church Leaders is the best content. We're working hard to do, do our best, but it's also how do we train a kind of a whole audience of great pastors and ministry leaders to do what they do online better and better. That's a great, great, great word. Brian, last question for you before we wrap up. Any final word to a church that has like very limited resources? It's like, man, we got 50 people. We have a Facebook page or, you know, I've, I've got a personal social media account because I mean, that stuff's free. But where do you start out? Where do you begin in all this? Yeah. You know what? It's, it's so interesting. And you've probably heard this before too. And I think it's, it's pretty common out there that I would say, like, first of all, every church is a little bit unique in their context and the culture that they're in. I would say finding out where your audience is Hmm. in that. And is your audience on Twitter? Are they on Facebook? Are they, I mean, um, online, are they on YouTube? I mean, find out where they're at, I would say, and try to invest in a strategy to reach them and, and to do it simply with one thing at a time and to, to research and do it well. And for me, I, I know that it's like, for all of us, we have different gifting and it's easy for us to jump into certain things and really difficult for us to learn others. Mm-hmm. But I think it's finding that one person, whether it's you or somebody in your church or in your ministry that can really develop one platform, and one platform authentically to communicate. And so what if you don't have a great website, but maybe you're going to develop a great YouTube following that's really going to connect and minister to, to your leaders. Or maybe it's, I mean, you're going to do it on Facebook, which most of us do, um, but you're going to think of a way to, to do that consistently and use that and just take away your resources. Whether Maybe you can't have a website, but you're going to work on Facebook and do that the best you can. I think it's just one of those things where it's like so many times we have all these ideas of what we want to do. And we even wrestle with it as a, an organization because there's so many opportunities and platforms to share content and to be involved and build a community. But we're trying to focus on the few and do it well until we move on. And I think that's so crucial. And, and really right here, I mean, it's, it's not difficult to do one. Hmm. It becomes difficult to do the many. 
And, uh, and so I think starting small, but starting deep is a really important aspect of that. That's a good word. Brian, uh, we're going to link to all of the websites that we talked about. But if somebody wants to connect with you, you're on Twitter and so on. What's the easiest way to connect with you? Yeah, you can hit me up on Facebook. It's Brian.Orm1. I couldn't get the Brian Orm. He's out there somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's Twitter. O-R-M-E. Yeah, O-R-M-E. And on Twitter, it is uh, M Brian with an I, Orm, O-R-M-E. Uh, and that's my handle there as well too. But yeah, I'd say Facebook or Twitter are the best ways to get a hold of me. And if I can, I would even say this, if I can help or have just a little short conversation, there's lots of things I can learn too. But if I can share some of the things that we've learned uh, with publishing and content packaging, I would love to you know, be of help to anybody for sure. That's amazing. And, and that's what you've been for me too. And we got to have you back. We really do because there's so much more we could talk about. We'll, we'll do a second episode down the road. But this that is- sounds... Yeah. No, that'd be awesome. And I just say, I appreciate you, Carrie, and your perspective on ministry and friendship, man. It's just so cool to see how um, open and sharing and just genuine you are with all that. So it's totally a pleasure. Uh, well, and I got I to gotta thank you too, Brian. I mean, churchleaders.com was something I read. And then one day you guys came knocking and it's like, hey, can we scoop up this article? And it's kind of like, yeah, sure. And it, it, it's, it's been great. And, you know, I think, I think the heart behind it all is we just want to help leaders lead better. And, and it's great to be in that together. Thanks so much, Brian. Totally. Thanks. Well, talk about tips and tricks. Oh my goodness. That's a lot of content, kind of like a content fire hose, but I hope that was helpful. And you're probably going to want to follow up on the show notes if you're half serious about getting more traffic online. Brian knows what he's talking about. And you can get uh, some summaries. And also, he's put together a free PDF that you can get just by visiting the show notes with a case study on how they changed the headline on a story that they ran on Faith It. And he's also got some other other tips and, and links in the PDF. And you can get that in the show notes. Just go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 18, and you can download that for free. So that's super cool. Thanks so much, Brian. Next week, we're really excited. We've got William Vanderblumen on the show. And William is going to talk all about why pastors stay too long, why they leave, and the whole question of replacing yourself in leadership. He's an expert on searches, helps churches around the world, and particularly in North America with their searches, and probably the leading expert on it. So William's going to be on the show for episode 19 next time. Super excited about that. In the meantime, the best way to never miss an episode is to subscribe. So you can do that on iTunes, on Stitcher, or on TuneIn Radio. And to everybody who continues to leave a rating, just thank you so much. And if you haven't done that yet, could you take a moment, jump on over to iTunes and just leave a rating and an honest review. They're not all five stars, and I read every one of them, and I'm so grateful. But for all of you, I mean, so many of you have left such encouraging reviews, and it it just sort of keeps us going here. It's really, you know, fuel for the rocket. So thank you so much for that. If you could do that, leave a rating and a review. It also helps get the podcast in front of other leaders. And consistently, this podcast is in the top 50 on iTunes and in terms of Christian podcasts. I just want to thank you for that. And I am so looking forward to connecting again next week. And once again, do not miss the valuable resource Brian's made available for free. Just kerrynewhoff.com slash episode 18. And we will see you next week. In the meantime, really hope this helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.